Welcome to the RE Podcast, the first dedicated RE podcast for students and teachers. Episode 4, the one where there is nothing that is wrong. My name is Louisa Jane Smith and this is the RE Podcast, the podcast for those of you who think RE is boring, which it is and I'll prove it to you. A few years ago, one of my students asked me if there was anything I thought was absolutely wrong. I thought it was an excellent question, one which I had never been asked before and had never even considered. Well, this week we are going to be exploring that very question. What the question is asking really is that, is there anything which is always wrong in all situations for all people in all times? Some of you listening might think that there are certain things which are absolutely evil. Others might think that it is sometimes necessary to do evil things. Some of you might not have any idea either way. Well, listen up. Let me start with something which sounds a lot more complicated than it is. Absolute and relative morality. Now, don't worry if you don't understand these. It won't make a massive difference if you don't, but might be kind of fun to try and unpack it. Morality is about right and wrong. So absolute morality is the idea that there is definite right and wrong. Right is always right, absolutely right, and wrong is always wrong, absolutely wrong. For example, lying is always wrong, telling the truth is always right. Relative morality is the idea that right and wrong depends on the situation. So let's use the same example of lying. Usually it is wrong to lie. For example, in a court of law or to friends or family or partners and most definitely to your teachers. That is very, very wrong. But sometimes it might be justified if you are planning a surprise party or hiding a Jew from the Nazis. So is there anything which is absolutely wrong? That is wrong in all situations, for all people, in all places and in all times. Let's start with the biggie, killing. Now, most of you would say, if I asked you, that killing is wrong. But I wonder if you really think that. Let me explain. We do have laws banning it, but there are exceptions. War, for example, or abortion. So why do we ban it in certain situations, but allow it in others? First of all, we have to differentiate between killing and murder. In the context of war, if given permission by the government or ruling power, then you can kill armed members of the opposition. But there are, of course, rules of engagement. For example, you cannot kill civilians or you can't kill anyone who is surrendering. However, there are people who believe killing, even in war, is wrong. They are called conscientious objectors. Essentially, they object to war because in their conscience they think it is wrong. Many of these people are religious. You might have seen the film Hacksaw Ridge, which is about a Christian conscientious objector. But some conscientious objectors are humanist pacifists. Humanists are people without religion, but believe you should treat others the way you yourself want to be treated. And as most of us don't want to be killed, we should therefore not kill others. And if you remember, only 20% of soldiers fired their guns in World War I and World War II. So It feels that more people than you think are hesitant to kill, even in war, when they are allowed to. But yes, most religious people are against killing. In the Ten Commandments, followed by Jews and Christians, God said, do not kill. 
But there are certain situations where Christians are allowed to kill. Aquinas's just war theory outlines conditions that must be met for Christians to be morally allowed to fight. Now, Thomas Aquinas was an Italian Catholic monk from the 13th century, but his writings have really influenced Christian thinking today. So some of these conditions are that war must be a last resort. It must be proportional to the situation. It must be done in defence and it cannot harm innocent civilians and so on. Similarly, the Quran says that anyone who kills someone, it is if they have killed all humans. Yet in Islam, the lesser jihad, jihad means struggle, gives permission for Muslims to fight to defend their religion against attackers, again with strict conditions. Buddhism says avoid harming life, yet as we saw in a previous podcast, even Buddhists have killed people in the name of their religion. So even religions don't think it is always wrong to kill. Well, let's think about you. Although most of you wouldn't want to be killed or want any of your friends or family to be killed, maybe you could justify killing in self-defence to protect yourself or to protect someone close to you. And what about abortion? There are strong pro-life objections to abortion as murder. Pro-life campaigners fight for the right of the life of the unborn fetus. They believe life begins at conception and therefore should be given its human rights. But is a fetus a human? And is it murder to end a pregnancy? Pro-choice support the right of the woman to choose what happens to her body. Certainly in the situation of rape, many feel abortion is necessary. And actually it would be wrong to bring a child into the world that had been conceived in that manner. If there are different opinions on this topic, then killing clearly isn't always wrong for all people at all times. Another related topic is euthanasia. This is ending the life of a terminally ill person before their illness creates a long, painful and undignified death. While this remains illegal in many countries, including the UK, simply because it's considered as murder, there are countries that legally allow people to control how and when they die. For example, Switzerland. You can look up Dignitas, which is the clinic in Switzerland where people go. Abortion and euthanasia are massive topics and I think deserve their own podcast, so watch this space. So it appears that killing is not absolutely wrong. Does that mean then that it is right to kill? Let's explore that. Imagine a world where it was right to kill. What would be the positives of that? Well, maybe we could get rid of all the horrible people in the world, those that cause pain and misery to others. We could end the life of people who are suffering. But what would be the negative? Well, it would mean that anyone could kill anyone, any time, for any reason. And then we would all die, eventually. What interesting comments and questions come out of this idea? So maybe killing is wrong, not because God says so, not because the law says so, not because we wouldn't like it, but because it cannot be right. If it was okay to kill, it would be carnage, a sort of real-life purge, if you've seen that movie. Our species simply wouldn't survive, but is it sometimes necessary, for example, war or abortion or euthanasia? If so, killing is not absolutely wrong in all situations, in all places, for all people, in all time. But what about murder? It might be right to kill sometimes, but surely it can never be right to murder. Let me tell you a story about a man called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was a Christian pacifist. A pacifist is someone who believes you should always find a peaceful solution to any conflict and as such does not agree with war. 
He lived in Germany as a pastor, a leader of a church, during the Second World War. He was one of the German Christians who opposed Hitler and the Nazi party. He was aware of the camps, and he even wrote letters to Winston Churchill to let him know what was happening to the Jews. Winston Churchill did not respond. I mean, to be fair with him, he was fighting a war at this time. So Bonhoeffer took matters into his own hands and made several attempts to assassinate Hitler. He was unsuccessful and was eventually captured and was executed. Essentially, he tried to murder Hitler. And I would imagine some of you listening might agree with what he tried to do, in which case even murder is not absolutely wrong. OK, let's take something like bullying. Surely this is always wrong for all people in any situation, time or place. Anyone who has been bullied, and I include myself in this, both as a child and as an adult, knows how humiliating it is and how much it destroys your self-esteem and enjoyment of life and how lonely it is and how fearful you are. However, if any of you have ever watched any of the following that deal with bullying, you will see that maybe it isn't as clear-cut as it seems. Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares Gordon Ramsay is a successful, notoriously foul-mouthed TV chef who created a series of programmes where he would go into failing restaurants and turn them into successes. His methods? Bullying. He would demean, embarrass, swear at and criticise the staff until they broke. And then he would implement the changes necessary to turn the restaurant around. And it worked. Whiplash is a phenomenal film about a wannabe jazz drummer and an abusive band leader at a music conservatory. Throughout the film, the poor teenage drummer is shouted out and put down and hit, had his stick snapped and made to practice until his fingers bled. But the purpose was to bring out the greatest potential in this prodigy. Although this is fictional, it happens in real life too. If any of you are football fans, you will know what happens at half-time in the dressing room if a team is losing. Bullying is rife amongst football managers to bring out the best in their players. This includes mind games, even physical harm. Some managers are more notorious than others, but one thing is clear. One, they get away with it, and two, it gets results. The managers with the worst reputation for bullying are often in the Premier League, and they are never called to account for it. So it appears that both players and the FA understand that this is a necessary part of the game to get the best football. I am not for one minute suggesting that bullying is right. We could do the same exercise as we did with killing to very soon dismiss this assertion, but if some people in some situations think it is valid, then it is not absolutely wrong. In Islam, shirk is the only unforgivable sin. This is basically worshipping anything else other than Allah or treating anything else as Allah. In today's society, we are allowed to choose our own religion or choose not to have a religion. We see this as a strength of our society and it is one of our human rights, freedom to worship. So what is so wrong with worshipping other gods that it would be unforgivable in Islam? To try and explain this, I want to take the example of marriage. One of the vows or the legal promises you make when you get married is forsaking all others. This means you promise to remain faithful to your spouse, your husband or wife, and not have sex with anyone else for the rest of your life together. Most of us, I think, would agree that having an affair or committing adultery is always wrong. It may be understandable, but it would be difficult to find someone who thinks it is right. 
The reason for this is that it involves lying, breaking a promise and causing unimaginable hurt to the person you freely chose to commit your heart, body and life to. There actually could be a case where adultery is absolutely wrong. Maybe we'll explore this later. It seems quite clear. If you have made a promise to be faithful, then be faithful. If you would prefer not to be committed to one person, then don't get married. Or, if you change your mind, then get divorced first before sleeping with someone else. For religious people, their commitment to their religion is stronger than marriage. So worshipping another god is worse than having an affair. But is it absolutely wrong? Now, I remain agnostic about the existence of God. I genuinely have no idea whether God exists or not. But let me talk to you about Pascal, a French philosopher and mathematician. He is known for something called Pascal's Wager, which looks at belief in God mathematically using probability. Pascal argued that if God exists and you believe in him, then you go to heaven and all is good. If you're wrong, then you are wrong. But when you die, nothing happens and you're none the wiser, so not massively catastrophic. If God doesn't exist and you don't believe in him, then you are right and nothing much else happens. However, if God does exist and you don't believe in him, then you will spend eternity in hell. Quite a significant consequence. So Pascal answered that it's better odds to believe in God just in case. So why am I mentioning this random French philosopher? I think it's because it demonstrates why non-belief in God is the worst option or the unforgivable sin as Islam and Christianity state. So are affairs also absolutely wrong in all situations for all people at all times? What if you are in an unhappy marriage but can't afford to get divorced or an abusive relationship and being controlled and they won't let you leave or a forced marriage to someone you don't love and didn't choose to marry? Do these things make affairs right or just understandable? I would like to argue that abuse is something which is absolutely wrong. Whether this is child abuse, sexual abuse, abuse of power, physical abuse, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, racial abuse, homophobic abuse. There have been some high-profile cases of abuse in the last year or so. You may have heard of George Floyd, the man killed by a police officer who knelt on his neck until he stopped breathing. Or Harvey Weinstein, who used his position in the film industry to force young aspiring actresses to satisfy his desires. Or Trump's impeachment trial. You can make up your own mind on that one. And if you want some fun reading, look up the Lehman Brothers and how they ended up $600 billion in debt by breaking the law, causing a global financial crisis, and yet never got charged with anything. Whatever form abuse takes, it is absolutely wrong. It can never be used as a force for good. People are gracious enough to be able to bring positivity out of it. They argue it makes them stronger or more empathetic or more motivated to fight for change. But this does not mean they are necessary or good to bring these positives about. Potentially, people can use their positions of power to bring about positive change. For example, people who act as ambassadors or support a movement. But this is not abusing the power. I actually want to end today's podcast on a slightly more positive note. Is there anything which is always right in all situations for all people, places and times? What about forgiveness or integrity? Integrity means always doing the right thing for the right reason. Or kindness. As I get older, I realise that kindness is infinitely important. 
Kindness, it doesn't mean being passive or a pushover or weak. Kindness is always being the better or the stronger person. Kindness sometimes means being truthful, not lying. Kindness means knowing when not to say anything. Kindness means waking up, thinking about what you can do for others and not what you want them to do for you. And that is difficult. Or forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean that people shouldn't be punished. Justice requires punishment. But it means that you choose not to let yourself be damaged by the hate that unforgiveness brings. But what do you think? Is there anything you feel is absolutely wrong that I haven't mentioned? Or maybe you disagree with my conclusion that it's about abuse. I would really value your thoughts, opinions, feedback and questions. So please leave your comments in the show notes below. Next week, I'm going to be lighting it up a bit and looking at the relationship between humour and religion. Is it okay to make jokes about religion? What sort of jokes do people within religions make? Are there any jokes in any holy books or by religious founders? I am Louisa Jane Smith and this has been the RE Podcast, a podcast for people who think RE is boring, which it is. I just proved it. But thank you so much for listening to me bore the life out of you.